Hey, we played this one. <laughs> I found a crossover for you. Hey, it's R.M. on the dark side, 96 Rock. Anyway, Sam and Greg, Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, 92.9 The Game.com. Jason Longshore, 99X fan, joining us this morning. <laughs> Moving into the 11 o'clock hour. We've been having fun today, ain't we? Definitely. Man, always. I'm always happy when you get up in here. I ain't trying to push Sam out the door, but I'm just saying when he's got to go, you're my first call. <laughs> um, Corey McCartney's going to join us in a little bit here, talk about these rule changes in Major League Baseball, get us set for this upcoming season with the Braves, and just going around MLB. But we have got a special guest as we get ready for Atlanta United in Toronto tonight. It is match day, and you can watch on Apple TV's MLS season pass, and you will hear Steve Cangelosi on play-by-play. Steve, thanks Ooh. for taking some time for us. Morning, Steve. Good morning, Jason and Greg, and thanks for having me. Thanks for the hospitality. This is my first time setting foot in downtown Atlanta, outside the airport anyway, since the Atlanta Thrashers' final season in 2011. So I'm excited wow. to be back in the South. Okay, hang, it, hang it's up. It's funny. Can... Yeah, we were talking <laughs> hockey earlier, and you know, I'm sure you saw the reports about NHL maybe coming back. Where do we send him, though? Where, he hasn't been here since then. What does he need to see in this city that wasn't here when he was here last? Atlantic Station? Like no. everything? <laughs> Pretty <laughs> <Okay>. much. <laughs> Welcome to Atlanta. Everything's new every 10 years. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to be here and especially to get a look at Mercedes-Benz Stadium for the first time because that's yeah. one of the different things, the dynamic with the Apple deal, right? For many years, I was doing regional telecasts up in New York with the New York Red Bulls, but we didn't travel for road games. They got away from that, so the fact that we're back and we're taking it all in just firsthand is a very exciting thing for everybody who's connected to this. Steve, before we get into the nuts and bolts of the game and the two teams, I want to ask you something because you haven't been here, as you said, since the Thrashers. But the conversation has, has permeated throughout the league about what Arthur Blank has done with this team. These guys have won a championship since you've here last. What has been your reading of this Atlanta uh, United team? If I say Thrashers, forgive me because we were talking earlier. <laughs> but if, what, is your thought, now, what is your thoughts on this team and how it's been put together and run by Arthur Blank from your seat? My, first, my overwhelming thought is envy. Uh, just envy, envious of everything that is the fan experience down here, which I've seen from afar. Because one of the great struggles of Major League Soccer, I think, is rekindling the markets that started the whole thing back in 1996. And the metropolis that is New York, which has been my home for my entire life, the game doesn't resonate there yet as it has in Atlanta in such a short amount of time. I've been blown away only because I've been somewhat connected to the Atlanta sports scene as a New Yorker, uh, the series between the Yankees and the Braves, the Mets and the Braves. And I've had my finger on the pulse, I think, just enough to, you know, sense the trials and tribulations of the sports scene down here, not to the extent that you guys have. And I didn't see this coming. I didn't see 67,000 on opening day as was the case last week, being something that's expected by the fans. And to have it be one of the elite atmospheres, not only in MLS, but in the world, on the world stage, which is what Atlanta has created, I've been blown away by it, and now I'm anxious to see what's next. I'd love to get your perspective now that you guys have a week in the books with Apple TV and MLS season pass, just what the whole experience has been from you going from – 
working, calling one team and not traveling, like you said, to what Apple TV is doing for the league right now? Yeah, and I had one partner, Shep Messing and I, were the longest tenured combination in the league among all the regional partners, right? So there is uh, an adjustment for, for everybody, including myself. I think one of the misconceptions, Greg, is that a lot of the teams throughout the league had a homer broadcast. Uh, at, at least for us in New York, we never felt that we treated it that way. But what we did was try to speak to our audience. So when we did Red Bulls telecasts all those years in New York, our attention to storylines during the course of a game really would be about 70-30 because we're talking to our audience, 70% New York and the 30% to the opposition. Now you try to get that as close to 50-50 as possible. And I understand what the adjustment is for the fans here as well. You guys know it down here in Atlanta. You were treated to a wonderful uh, team down here with Kevin and Maurice and Jillian. Those guys are my friends. And I get it, what the fans are losing with this package. You're losing that comfortable old shoe, that thing that made you feel, you know, you were at home when you heard the voices of Egan, Sakovitz, and, and, and Adu. And we've entered this new age now. But I think that as we move along, fans are going to love it. They're going to get a little bit of a different take on their team. A different set of eyes on the same product sometimes is not the worst thing. And I think as we get deeper into this, a year or two away, I think people only then are going to try to, are really going to kind of get the sense of what, all of this is about there's going to be terrific content and your team and this league are going to be covered in a way that it's never been covered before. It just, it feels like a brand new dawn for the league as you kind of surf through MLS season pass and check out all of the content that just wasn't there, frankly, in the past about the league. Let's get into the game tonight. You have a really interesting storyline, I think, coming in with Atlanta United stoppage time, comeback last week and Toronto FC stoppage time failure last week you know what are you kind of looking at as you've gotten to know these two teams and caught up with them ahead of tonight yeah the dynamic certainly is interesting because you had one team that was winning in the 90th minute and lost another team that was losing in the 90th minute and won and Tiago Almada steals the show at the end I spoke with Bob Bradley on Thursday and his overwhelming thought from that game the loss against D.C. United, other than obviously the disappointment and how it ended and leaving with no points, he felt that the game itself was mostly something that Toronto could be proud of because he liked the way they managed the game after Lorenzo Insigne left in the 34th minute due to injury and managed the game to a point where they were able to take a two-to-one lead on the road. So there were some good things to come out of that, everything except the result. And conversely with Atlanta, I think that you guys probably, as I was, was and when I played the game back, was saying, what's happening with this team? Nothing is, nothing is clean. None of the balls they're playing ahead are where I expect them to be. The shots are coming too much from distance, and then suddenly Almada saves them at the end. Uh, the result is what you hang your hat on. Uh, Tiago Almada, to me, is the center point of all conversation today because it wasn't just the heroics at the end. Obviously, that's what gets him player of the week. That's what gets him 
uh, on the highlight reels all around the world. But I thought overall, his game was just fantastic, wasn't it? He had mm-hmm. more touches than I think any other player in the league except for Hector Herrera. And to me, he's worth the price of admission watching him accelerate on the ball. I'm interested to see today if Yakomakis gets in the game, and I think he will at some point, what that does if he creates space up top and if Derek Etienne Jr. gets a start today and he creates space wide left, just what that does for the amount of room that Tiago Almada has to operate. And if he gets the space that I think he might be afforded today, I'd say look out. Talking about players who are worth the price of admission, Almada might be the most talented in the league, but right behind him, and, and Toronto, even without Lorenzo Insigne, potentially is questionable for tonight. Federico Bernardeschi is a player who maybe because Insigne got all those headlines, Bernardeschi might fly under the radar just a little bit. An unbelievable talent. He is, and he was as good as advertised last season. Let's not forget that. You know, he scored eight times. He uh, assisted on, I think, three others in fewer than 1,100 minutes on the field. And I think Insigne, in some ways, along with Michael Bradley, by the way, let's not forget their longest, uh, one of their longest tenured players with Osorio and one of the faces of the franchise. But Bernadeschi is. Uh, someone who will not fly under the radar. His personality just doesn't lend itself to that. He scored, obviously, on the penalty. He factored into the second goal that they scored in D.C. And if you watch that game back, he was consistently fouled, too. He was fouled four times in that game. He's someone who can take over the game individually, as Almada can. What I noticed in that game, and something I'm going to be looking for this afternoon, is that Toronto was a lot better when his game drifted centrally. Uh, a bit more because that did two things. Bernardeschi, I think, was more dangerous on the inside, and it opened space for Richie Larea uh, to make his runs from the right fullback position. And I thought Toronto was better once they adopted that philosophy. I think they got, might go to that earlier rather than later. Insigne, I'm not expecting him to play, guys. I, I don't have confirmation on that. I doubt he made the trip. They have their home opener next week. Why not do this right if you're Toronto? Give them the extra week. That game will be on a natural surface at BMO as well. Steve Cangelosi of Apple TV's MLS Season Pass hanging out with us on 92.9 The Game this morning. Steve, another big story for Atlanta last week was the return from injury of Miles Robinson and Brad Kazan. And when we talk about 2022 in Atlanta, injuries were the, the theme how important in, in your mind is it getting those two guys back to kind of marshal the defense? Yeah, I spoke with Miles on Thursday a, 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 as well. And the way he put it is that you can't really verbalize the value of meaningful minutes for the first time in nine and a half months. Uh, I don't know what he shared with you guys, but he said he was so down after the Achilles injury last year, that he couldn't watch his team play for a couple of months. I'm not sure that's entirely accurate, but I got, you know, the certain, you know, gist of what he was trying to tell us, that this was something that was devastating in so many ways. It cost him a World Cup, guys. Mm -hmm. Uh, You only get so many kicks at that can, so I get it. Uh, I'm interested to see how his relationship with Purata 
matures as those two, you know, develop as the center back tandem here. And I think they will be that for some time Uh, because I know Parata has his sights set on starting for the Mexican national team. He's openly said that to me in the lead up to this game. He needs for Atlanta United to be the avenue by which he can start for L3. And that's, you know, if you want to say that's something that's ambitious moving forward, fine. But I like the mindset. So much of what the team went through last year was based on who was not playing. And to see them move past that is a wonderful thing. Guzan had those two big moments that if he does not have them, then maybe Almada is not in position to be the hero last week. I'm interested to see Brad come back, and I want to see what kind of level he plays at consistently. He's not a young guy. You know, he's 38 now, I believe, right? And he was limited to only seven games last year, but I thought the first sign for Guzan last week was a very good sign coming back into the fold. Steve Cangelosi, Apple TV, joining Sam and Greg. Jason Longshore in for Mr. Crenshaw, Sports Radio 929 The Game, 929TheGame.com. Speaking for our audience, especially those soccer fans out there, um, you guys did a great breakdown. <laughs> I mean, I was that was wonderful. Me shutting up and listening to you two go on. That's that's exact No, see, Steve, you don't get it. I, I am not the biggest soccer fan. So when, as Jason has sat in I'm working for, on it. He's he's educating me. I'm not that guy who's closed minded. I wanna know. He's got me saying names up here, your girls. Your ghost. Did I get it right? Yeah, you're, you're getting it. Okay, you're getting so, it. We've progressed. <laughs> we've had some fun throwing arrows at me. But I do have a question for both of you guys because I do know enough about the sport and this guy to know that this has got to be some news. Words coming out of the commissioner's mouth, the MLS commissioner, Don Garber, this past week saying he's thinking outside the box, trying to bring Lionel Messi to play in the United States. On a scale of 1 to 10, what do you think the chances of that happening are? And why having this conversation now? Uh, on a scale of one to 10, I'm going to put it at better than five. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that this is one of the very few athletes in the world. And I think we can count them on less than one hand where the world is his oyster and many different people are tugging at him. And we are not privy to who's doing all the tugging here. I know major league soccer wants him. What would it mean for MLS in a word game changer? Okay. Uh, what it does is change the dynamic of so many things. You know, so much of the deal with Apple, which we are in the first year of 10 years and it's a global deal. Don't forget that. That's very important. What does that do for subscriptions of this league in places like South America, in places like Spain, where Lionel Messi has spent? most of his life uh, from the time where he was a 13-year-old kid in the family at Barcelona. Um, What does it do for MLS moving forward? Think about this, guys. How many games do we look at if Messi was to get here, where schedules have to be rearranged, where certain stadiums were supposed to be hosting games, but now – the messy dynamic changes that. If Inter Miami goes to LA to play the Galaxy, do they play at Carson, California, or do they move the game into SoFi if, if it's available? If he comes to New York to play either NYCFC or the Red Bulls, is MetLife Stadium suddenly a possibility? Is the demand to see Lionel Messi that much where so many things 
have to be cabled and rethought. That, to me, is one of the interesting things. And let's not forget, he's still one of the three most talented players in the world, if not the most talented, even at this advanced stage of his career. It means a lot. I can't, uh, You'd have to give up the rest of the show for us to get into this problem. <laughs> well, no, yeah. and it's funny you say that because, see, again, with my limited knowledge, what I do know, this has done, been done before. We've seen this. We saw a guy named Pelé at the end of his career come to America and become – just this household name in this country where soccer wasn't being played at the time being. And, and as I remember, what was it, the New York team he was with? Oh, the Cosmos. The Cosmos. He was with the Cosmos. Yeah. But wasn't this yeah, he some- was with the Cosmos. Wouldn't this be a similar play somewhat? The, the foundation is so much uh, better now. I, I think it, it, it goes from, you know, trying to get a – like a bottle rocket into the air at that time, not that Pelé was small time, but the fact that soccer was in this country to now, I mean, it's a rocket ship if Messi comes to the United States. Yeah, Jason, Jason's hitting the nail on the head. I mean, this we weren't ready for Pelé yeah. when he came to New York. We simply were not ready. They were playing games at a small rundown field initially on Randall's Island in New York before they opened up Giant Stadium. Now – we're so much more advanced as a soccer nation where the impact of a Messi uh, would, I, I believe, dwarf what the impact of Pelé was more than 40 years ago. Uh, it, it's a different world now. We're a different soccer nation. Thanks so much, Steve. We appreciate it. Hey, we didn't man. mean to keep you quite as long as we no, did, this but has been it was great. so good. This has been great. Again, you got uh, Atlanta United, Toronto on Star 94, pregame 7 o'clock, kick at 7.30. And Mr. Cangelosi, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank. Can we get this guy back on here? Of course. I mean, even when you ain't here? I, I think we can make that okay. happen. <laughs> Steve. Yeah, I tell you what, I only have my schedule for the first eight weeks of the season. Might I be back? Absolutely. I'm certainly hoping I am. Thanks there we for go. the invite, guys, okay? You got a Thanks, phone. Steve. You got a phone up there, too, so we can give you a call. <laughs> there you go. Steve Cangelosi from Apple TV joining us here this morning. Thanks, man. That was a great get. You guys broke down today's ah, Steve's game. Steve's the best. Yeah, just, just – Wonderfully. All right, we're going to talk baseball next. Corey McCartney is going to join us. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game, 92.9thegame.com, and take us with you on the Odyssey app. Don't realize what you do to me when you hold me. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game, 92.9thegame.com. It's Sam and Greg with Jason Longshore in for Mr. Crenshaw today. Would you like to have been in the meeting that was held with that band when they thought to themselves this would be a good idea to put Ooga Chaka, Ooga, Ooga, Ooga Chaka under the I'm just going to guess it wasn't a business meeting in an office. No, there, I'm just saying the meeting could have, have been in a production room. Well, I mean, there could have studio. been some substances involved in deciding about that <laughs> particular strategy. I'm just saying. Are you telling me in early rock and roll days there was drugs that were done? I, I'm not saying anything like that. I'm just saying maybe substances were involved. Possibly. Allegedly. We, I, have a great, I have a great Ohio player story that I could tell you right now, but we have a guest that we have to bring on having to do with that exact thing. But Corey <laughs> McCartney is joining us. Corey is, is, is not only a, a baseball coach himself, but he is our go-to voice when it comes to Major League Baseball. Was he on with you guys last week? He was not. I know Corey, though. Corey, how are you doing? Yeah, well, this is his first appearance. Corey, good morning, man. How you doing, guys? Hey, you know, I'm technically, I'm from Ohio, and my wife would say I used to be a player, so I could be an Ohio <laughs> player for you. 
God. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how we start. I like it. No, it's okay. That's all right. We have listen, this is just the beginning of the fun we have for them. We're 162 games, right? <laughs> so this is just number one. I haven't had a chance to ask you though, Corey, how did your kids' team finish last season? Uh, we we finished. We'll just, we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> oh, wait, hang on. Did, y'all were y'all were running through the league last, you know, during the times we were talking to you, you guys were playing great. It didn't didn't end that way. Well, we increased our competition level and found out that there was work to be done during the off season. Wow, this guy—that's coach speak. I ain't like it, it though. Ain't it though? That—that's it though. I mean, it, did the kids have fun? That's the most important yeah, there you thing. Go. Well, they were swagged out and all that fun stuff. So, and they—they—they they, they, they looked good. We were waiting for the 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 play good within the look good, feel good, feel good, play good. Ah, they'll get there. They've got good coaches. They'll get there. Yeah. Corey McCartney joining us. Uh, Sam Greg, Sports Radio 929 The Game, 929thegame.com. That's the show, but Mr. Crenshaw ain't here today. Jason Longshore is with us. All right, where do you want to go? This is our first first time having you on. Rule changes, what we've seen so far, spring training, the overall outlook of this Braves team. I'll let you lead off where you want to go first. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing on top of everybody's mind is this pitch clock, right? And I, I think the way that we've seen it almost be manipulated, you know, you're you're seeing, you know, teams, you know, it was fans are, you know, counting down, uh, trying to catch pit, uh, hitters off guard. And, you know, we've seen, obviously, lot, you know, the Red Sox-Braves game end in a tie. It's just, I, I think it's going to be a while before we have a full grasp on how this thing's going to be utilized, how players are going to adjust to it. And, I, you know, as much as we thought it was going to speed things up, I think at the end of the day we're going to see, you know, pitchers trying to manipulate things and teams trying to, you know, play this to their advantage. Like they do everything else in baseball. I think that's ultimately how we're going to get with this. But it, we are definitely in an adjustment period, and good thing they're doing it in the spring instead of some of the other rules in past years that have been implemented in the middle of the season. So we saw Max Scherzer with his kind of efforts, I think, to find those lines in, in this new rule and how he could speed things up, how he could slow things down, throw people off. How do you think this rule affects the Braves specifically with such good pitching, uh, good behind the plate as well? How do you think it's going to affect uh, the Braves? I think, you know, we talked to Travis Darneau and Sean Murphy about this uh, back in January at Braves Fest, and it really does put an emphasis on you knowing your pitcher and the pitcher having trust in the catcher and their ability to call a game because you don't want situations where guys are shaking you off and you're trying to get to a different pitch. There's not time for that. So the, 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 a lot's going to go into the game planning and understanding and the pitchers really believing that the catcher has the best pitch in mind. I think that's going to be the biggest thing here, and it's going to put a lot of emphasis you know, on in the team's ability to, to, you know, have a plan on how they're going to attack a lineup before the game even starts. Corey McCarty, hey, you doing from the diamond this year? Uh, I am signing off on my coaching responsibilities. Uh, I think we've created uh, constraints, we'll just say. And so I'm, I'm letting Grant <laughs> fly solo for a while. Okay, okay. Uh, anyway, that's how we used to introduce him last year. We'll just say Corey McCartney this year. Uh, joining us here, talking Major League Baseball. All right, the um, – we got past some of the changes. Uh, overall, though, are you cool with the changes that have been made, or are you one of these people who say, "Yeah, I like everything except the guy leaving the guy on second base for the extra innings"? I don't even mind that. Like, I don't you mean. know, I think it'd be, you know, to me, it's, you get into these situations where a bullpen just becomes un, you know, it's the first game in a three, four game series, and you know, you're going 13, 14 innings. What kind of constraints are you putting on that bullpen for later in that series? So, to me, I think if you're trying to speed up the game, regardless of the pitch clock you know the, the bigger bases the, limiting the throw to first base 
this is that's the move to me that I think makes the most sense just because I don't see there being that big of a of a difference in whether a game ends, you know, in the in the 10th inning, the 11th inning in, instead of a, you know putting strains on a, a bullpen for later. And I think the thing that, you know, relief pitchers, you know, the, the thing I think down the line we have to be concerned about is, you know, when you get in those arbitration situations and a guy has all right, well, we can say you had X amount of runners scored on you, and this came from guy on second base and extra innings. I think that's kind of the sticky point of it, but I think from the overall product and getting through games faster, I think is the thing that makes the most sense. So let's stick with the pitching. I know the fifth starter spot for the Braves has maybe been one of those competition areas going into spring training. Is anything emerging so far in your mind? Uh, the, the fact that it's coming down to uh, Ian Anderson and Bryce Elder, I think the fact that, you know, Mike Soroka is dealing with that, or Michael Soroka, as he's referring to himself now, uh, is dealing with that hamstring issue that's uh, that sidelined him. I think, you know, you're going to see him delayed and, and not really in the mix for it come opening day. That doesn't mean that Soroka is not going to be making starts uh, down the line this season. I think he's going to. I think he's going to be, you know, hell-bent on coming back and being close to what he was before. But um, to me, it looks like it's Anderson and Elder. And I know Elder looks better yesterday. Anderson hasn't been sharp. But I think the, the potential of what Anderson can do, and you've seen him do it. I mean, you look at the postseason resume for him, and you're putting him in, in line with guys like Christy Matheson. Um, it, it's it's special. I think he, and the more he develops that third pitch, I think he ultimately is going to be the guy for them. But that continues to be the most fascinating a storyline without question in Braves camp. You know, we got a lot of time to break down this Braves team and, and what's going to happen you know, as we approach the end of spring training. But I got some questions I've been hanging on to because I haven't had a chance to talk to you. And one of them has to do with uh, this year's Hall of Fame induction. You got two guys there. Uh, and when you saw the names, what was it that ran through your mind? You can say what you will about Scott Rowland. Yes, he was a great player. Uh, Hall of Fame worthy? I don't know, but I guess so if you look at the numbers. I'm cool with that. Fred McGriff getting in. We all love Fred McGriff around here, but that's it. And what does just these two guys going in continue to say about the voters uh, and putting these guys into the Hall of Fame? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it, in my mind it continues to to hearken that we need a we we need an overhaul, right? I mean, I think there needs to be some change. I, I think you know Grant and I have talked about this many times. The the fact that guys will turn in blank ballots as some sort of statement on where they feel things are and it's to me you're just robbing a guy of you know if you don't think anybody's worthy or don't put them on your ballot but the guys that you are don't hesitate I mean I think we just keep creating a situation where you know we're, we're needlessly having gatekeepers in a, in a process that doesn't need further gatekeepers it's tough enough to get into this to play this game really well for a long period of time to even be considered a hall of famer and I think creating these weird scenarios where all right, I don't think the guy's a first ballot, but maybe I put him in in the third or the fourth right. and I can only put 10 guys. in. I think it's just too convoluted. I think it needs some kind of overhaul. So sticking with kind of the history theme, there was one more thing on the Braves that I wanted to ask you about it. 40, 40 kind of seems like a myth at this point, but I know it's come up in conversation this week and the Braves have guys who are kind of targeting 40 home runs, 40 stolen bases. Do you think that is possible in the game today? I think it is, and I think the fact that you're seeing these bases, you know, the fact that the bases are a little bit bigger, and that's one supposed to you know, facilitate speed on the base pass a little bit more. And then you're going to have the limit on the throwdowns, uh, you know, throwbacks over to first base. Right. I think it's going to create further stolen base opportunities. Um, the thing is, though, when you get into a lineup like the Braves, like Ron Lacuna gets on, um, the guys behind him can all bash. I mean, how, mu- how, how many opportunities are there really going to be uh, for stolen bases, but I think if anybody can do it on this roster, it's him. I mean, it wasn't that long ago 
he was in spring training talking about a potential 50-50 season. So I, I do think it's real. I do think he's one of the guys that can pull it off. And, and I think baseball has at least made some changes uh, to these rules that make it seem a little bit more doable than it was maybe a year or two ago. Again, I, 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 it's like a lot of wait and see for me. I'm a baseball fan. This is the sport I played. And I know trying to dissect things in spring training is, is futile. It's just, it just is not worth it. But it's what we do. But what I am confident in saying is that you can continue to say that one of the top, if not the top infield, is still with this Braves team. And it seems to be just this really smooth transition from, from Freddie Freeman to Matt. And you wouldn't think that would be the case. You don't want to be the guy following the guy. But yet he has he seems seamlessly fit into that position, not only defensively, but offensively too. And that was surprising to me. How about you right now? When you look, now that we have the sample size, when you look back at, at, at that uh, transition, Corey, are you surprised that it happened as seamlessly as it did? I'm not. I mean, I, I, to be honest with you, I've, I've been going back through some of my, my book, Tales from the Atlanta Braves Dugout. I'm actually in the process of updating it. It's going to be re-released this fall with some new chapters. So I had to go through. I wrote a whole chapter before on Freddie Freeman. So I had to go through and, you know, talk about the end now. And then obviously his ultimate return uh, last June and that emotional uh, response uh, from him and from, from Braves country. But um, though I, I think unless you really were – really had an understanding of lots of West Coast baseball. You didn't really know a lot about Matt Olson going into last season, but the numbers were just so similar between the two of them when you looked at the four or five years before he arrived in Atlanta. So I don't think there was that big of a difference. You know, maybe the average was a little bit higher for, uh, for Freeman, but the power numbers were comparable. You know, the doubles were comparable. A lot of the you know peripheral stuff was right in line with it. So I wasn't all that surprised. I mean, obviously he brings gold glove uh, defense as well. Uh, that was one of the things that he told me he had to adjust to the most last season was the fact that he didn't have as much foul ground as he had in, in Oklahoma. That's, that's the key right any, there. That's he, the yeah, key. He, and that's what he had to adjust to more than anything. I don't, I don't think offensively there was that big of a change. And I think anybody who is you know, going to benefit from the, the uh, banning of the shift is going to be him because he said how many times did he hit the ball to you know what should have gone through first and second base, and there's a guy camped out right there to get the ball. So I think he's going to benefit big time from these changes this year. I know we've got to take it with a grain of salt because it's spring training and it is still early, but has there been anything that's surprised you so far when it comes to the Braves? Uh, I think, you know, it, as good as Von Grissom's looked, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, look, there's no really harder position to just throw a guy into if you really want to be uh, clear, fair about it than shortstop and, and asking him to pick up for a guy who's coming off of a career season. But we know the work that he put in with Ron Washington. I, it's going to be a, a test, I think, to see – how the bat plays, because as good as we saw him start off last season, the league made adjustments. He didn't make those adjustments back. Uh, but he's looked really good so far. So I think that's going to be one of the, the biggest things for this. And certainly, you know, having Ozzy Albies is on the field for the first time today after DHing. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how he looks, uh, you know, after that uh, uh, surgery that he had had. Uh, but, yeah, just uh, to me, Grissom, uh, I think, is going to be the real key for this team. And so far, so good from him in spring. Corey McCartney, he's an Ohio player. That's gonna be your, that's gonna be your go. new nickname, dude. <laughs> that's gonna be it. I'm gonna call you Sugarfoot. There you go. <laughs> um, anyway, listen, this is just the beginning of many visits, and we can't thank you enough for getting up and being a part of the show this morning, Corey. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, buddy. All right, guys, appreciate it. Right. Thanks, Corey. You know Sugarfoot? I was lead singer from yeah, I, I do. players. I got you. The, the, I don't know. It will if I live to be 150. I will never forget watching them do a sound check before we had the. Pleasure of being a part of a Ooh, that, a, a show that was yeah. in like four or five bands, but the band I used to roadie for was one of them. And the dude who came out 
and did the sound check for Ohio players just checking the mic would come out and go, hot sauce, crackers, <laughs> macaroni and cheese. Yes. <laughs> he, he, yes. He just said whatever was part of his dinner the night before, and it was funny. Uh, listen, Jason has been in all morning for Mr. Crenshaw. we got one more segment. I can't thank you enough. We've been having fun all morning long, along with our producer, Max. We're going to wrap things up and get you ready for a day of sports. As Mr. Crenshaw would say, a game day Saturday here on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game, 92.9thegame.com. Go ahead, man. That's my boy Bubba. I scared Max with this one. Sports Radio 929thegame929thegame.com. Jason Longshore is your DJ this morning, along with host. It's always dangerous when it goes from the Lemonheads and REM and, and Bobby <laughs> Womack and Bubba Sparks. Uh, Jason has been on for uh, Mr. Crenshaw. We will be back tomorrow morning, 6 to 10, usual spot. Mr. Crenshaw is on. Um, He's on assignment today. And Not now, at Bucky's. He ain't at Bucky's, and I, like I said, I'm. Actually, put- he might be at Bucky's. Well, <laughs> he, he, he would go to true. Bucky's if he had the opportunity. Yeah, yeah that's true. He would because he's the one. He could try to push me there. I would. Let me see if I do this right. Yurgos. That's pretty good. Can you? You want to try the last name? No. No. I, it took me four segments to get that. Yorgos Yakimakis. Okay. Is on type. <laughs> You're going to get it, man, because he's going to score a lot of goals this year. We are going to let you uh, get a preview from Jason. Yep. Tonight's matchup against Toronto. Um, we're going to bring Max back on here because Max is going to let you know what to expect of tonight's UFC 285. John Jones, the, the GOAT, is coming back to action. Um, but first, we got to get rid of this insignificant information. A lot of stuff that happened on this day that I haven't had a chance to mention, which ties into some, like we mentioned earlier, that you didn't know. Up until... The Depression. Yeah, I had no idea about that. Thanks to FDR. That, uh, I think it was the 18th Amendment? But 20th, you said. 20th Amendment, excuse me. The uh, inauguration day for our presidents was today. So everybody up until that point was, you know, their inauguration day was March 4th. I didn't know that. Did not know that. Hmm. You know, on this day, 1902, AAA was founded. I didn't know that. Triple A. It was founded in Chicago. And speaking of Chicago, today was the day that Chicago was incorporated. Really? Are you ready for this? 19, excuse me, 1837. I was about to say, wait a minute. 1837. Speaking of FDR, today was the day he was inaugurated. And he gave the famous speech. What was the famous phrase that came from the FDR speech? In other words, he was telling the country he was going to get us out of the Depression. I don't know. We have, we have, Max, you got this? Nothing to fear but fear itself. I was just about to say it. I was thinking that was later in his. No, that's how he told the country. And, And man, just take a second. If we had the technology that we had then, Answer this question honestly. Does this country elect a guy in a wheelchair four times? Today? No. Sadly, no. Four times. I mean, even when you get into the, the 60s and, and, and televised debates and, and all that's of that, that's, it changed everything. That's what I'm saying. Anyway, today was the day that Jimmy Hoffa disappeared. <laughs> well, not technically. He was con- he was convicted on this day and then started the process of meeting with some people because he was trying to get out of it. Dracula premiered this day. Which one? No, the, the, the original one, okay. 1922. Okay. The first vampire movie happened on this day. 
Um, the first Sherlock Holmes, Dr. Watson case, the story, a study of Scarlet. So that one happened on this day. Let's see here. You ever heard of a guy named Albert Gitchall? Gitch Hall. No. Gitch Hall. This was a guy who was the first reported case of the Spanish flu. Oh, it was wow. on this day, which started the famous yeah. 1918 pandemic. Mm-hmm. This was the day that it was diagnosed. Babe Ruth became the highest paid baseball player on this date, 1927. It was a three-year contract. How much do you think he got over the three I have years? that one, actually. I was going to bring that one up. <laughs> $70,000 per season. That's pretty big money in 1927. Mm, that's true. Um, and he liked to say I was making more than the president. And, of course, the yeah. response was I had a better year. Uh, 27 yeah, Yankees? Yeah, yeah I'd say so. Uh, John Lennon would like to take back what he said on this day, and it caused a big uproar. People oh, were, yeah. This was the day that he said the Beatles were more popular than Jesus. So, uh, taken out of context a little bit. Yes, it was, but that's what was written. That mm-hmm. was what was produced. Kevin Johnson, Chaz Bono, and for you, happy 60th birthday, Jason Newstead. Born on this day, 1963. Bassist most famously known for being the bassist for Metallica. That's why I brought it up there. All right. I uh, got one more for you. You want it? Oh, go ahead, man. Uh, 1976, the San Francisco Giants of MLB bought by Bob Lurie. Yeah. For how much do you think in 1976? I saw this one, but go ahead. $8 million. That's it. Yeah. 1976 baseball franchises going for $8 million, and like a historical baseball franchise going for $8 million. It's a little different these days. You know what? Happy Birthday was also published on this day. The most popular song ever. That's what that's what The original publishing was the, ori- the original oh, wow. publishing of Happy Birthday, 1924. And that's in public domain now, right? I, I think would, it I would is. think so. Yeah, yeah, I think it is. Okay. Anyway, Sam and Greg, Jason Longshore is in for Mr. Crenshaw here. Before we get on out of here, promise you some updates and get perspective on the two big events going on today. We got three. Well, we got more than three, but we got two far- big local and one <laughs> That's big, big say. one for that man over there. Let's start with that man over there. Talking about Max, our producer. He is the guy we go to as far as UFC. What's going on with UFC 285 tonight? John Jones, you you brought some great perspective earlier for those who weren't listening. Your thoughts on tonight's matchup. Right. Uh, tonight, if John Jones wins, and it always is an if. Like I said, I have him winning tonight uh, convincingly, but in UFC, MMA, anything can happen at any given time. The UFC is a star-driven sport, and they will be getting their number one fighter of all time back. And that should be happening tonight. And as a heavyweight, which adds a whole new element, it's exciting. And I, like I said, to me, He's the greatest combat sports athlete of all time. Now, not as a brand, not as a popularity guy, but just as far as just pure fighter, I don't see anyone in the world beating him at his prime. Is there another sneaky good fight on the card? Yeah, well, the the co-main event is the greatest women's fighter of all time. She's defending her belt, and the whole card is stacked. There's another guy named Bo, who they're kind of grooming to be this next guy. He's also on the card, so they always do a great job of putting, like, the number one guy on the main event and then sneaking in some up-and-comers so you can get a look at them. Yeah, you you need the full card. And there's going to be some guys who ascend to that level again, maybe not the Conor McGregor, but still something that draws people who aren't MMA fans to the TV. My question is, is that going to happen on the women's side again? Are we going to see another Ronda Rousey type? I don't know if we'll ever see another Ronda Rousey just because it was just a perfect storm right. and she, like she was the first to pave the way. Now, Amanda Nunes is kind of another women's goat mm-hmm. where there, we'll see people better than her. We already have, but as far as her impact, I don't know if we'll ever see that again. 
Again, just curious, and you're right, the timing was perfect. All right, Atlanta United tonight against Toronto. You can hear that match on Star 94. It's a match game. 7 o'clock pregame. It's all the same. Kick. It's all good. <laughs> I know, it's 7.30. We've got the Hawks and Heat pregame 7.30, tip at 8 o'clock, followed by Arizona and UCLA. Throughout the show, you have been educating, re-educating, and just filling me with soccer knowledge overall. But as we've talked about this matchup tonight, give the audience your thoughts on what to uh, expect against Toronto. I think what it comes down to for Atlanta United is you can't fall behind because Toronto will be a team that I would expect would sit back and defend and just try to frustrate you. Toronto's happy if they get a point coming out of here, if they get a, a draw. Atlanta United at home, you got to get the three points. So you've got to come out with a better start than we saw last week. The questions are the, the guys who are either new to the team, like Yorgos Yakamakis, like Luis Abram, how many minutes do they play? Do they start? I don't know if either one does, especially Yakamakis. And Derek Etienne coming back from injury, he played about 40-plus minutes last week. Can he potentially start and get you into the second half? The good thing that Gonzalo Pineda has for Atlanta United in that position is you got the 18-year-old homegrown Caleb Wiley, who has been so good, I think underratedly good. Like He doesn't get the credit he deserves. So impactful in that first game, and he, he had to come out early in the second half because he was cramping up. It's early in the season, still building that fitness. So you've got good competition in this roster now with Yakimakis, with Miguel Berry, with Jackson Conway, with Caleb Wiley, with Derek Etienne on the wing. The midfield has a ton of competition, and you get Santiago Sosa back next week from suspension. Center back mentioned it, and, and Steve Cangelosi mentioned it earlier too. Parata, Miles Robinson, now Luis Abram. Good competition in the team. Guys starting spots aren't locked up. That's going to push this team forward, in my opinion. Just an incredible breakdown throughout the show, man. I want to thank you. Four hours of hearing you talk soccer. I know you think I, I gloss over, but I'm really no, not. No. And you can see I'm engaged. And I, I'm, and listen, it, it won't happen now, but like tomorrow, Sam and I will be talking, and I'll like start pull out all this Atlanta United My stuff. goal in these things is to give you something to grab onto. Like when we talked to Max about UFC, I need something to grab onto. I'm not a UFC guy. When we talk hockey, I need something that get, gets me hooked. Mm -hmm. And that's what I love doing in this conversation about soccer is I want to give you some points that – you see the game, you see the highlights, you're like, oh, yeah, okay, now I get that. See, take an extra 20 out of petty cash for yourself, would you please? Lunch <laughs> we is, have petty cash. Lunch, where is, where on, is it? Lunch is on me. <laughs> where is that petty Jason cash? Jason Longshore, man. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being a part of the show this morning, sitting in for Mr. Crenshaw. Max, thank you for your contributions, everybody. We will be back tomorrow morning, me and Sam, from 6 a.m. until 10. In the meantime, Chris Goforth is up next. But remember, you got Atlanta United, Toronto tonight, over on Star 94, pregame 7 Kick at 7.30, Hawks and Heat right here, 7.30 pregame, tip at 8 o'clock. You guys have yourself a big day. This is Sports Radio 92.9 The Game, 92.9thegame.com, and take us with you on the Odyssey app.